The federal government's giant new marine park in the Southern Ocean will help us inch closer to our 30 by 30 goals. That's Australia's pledge to protect 30% of our land and oceans by 2030. Tick tock. But how does protecting our oceans sit with the popular pastime of recreational fishing? We're going to look at a few examples today of what's happening around the country to see if we've got that balance right. And I'd be keen to hear your thoughts too. How do you think we can enjoy our oceans sustainably? Head to our Facebook page and share your thoughts there. There's a couple of people with uh, a few ideas. Perhaps you've got some experience on the waters or with conservation and you'd like to share your thoughts too. David Booth is with us today. He's a professor of marine ecology at UTS. He's an expert on how marine communities are affected by human activities, particularly in marine parks. David Booth, welcome to Life Matters. Good morning. Now, the federal government's announced plans to triple the size of the Macquarie Island Marine Park. How are you feeling about that move? I'm feeling pretty wonderful. Um, I've never been to Macquarie Island, although a number of my colleagues uh, work there, and it's a magnificent spot full of biodiversity, and it's fairly far south of Australia, which means it's in the really productive waters that mean there's a lot of biodiversity there to protect. Yeah, there's some fantastic photos of fluffy albatross chicks on the <laughs> news stories making it look like a very interesting place. Professor Booth, what can and can't you do in waters that become a Commonwealth marine park or does it pretend, uh, depend on the particular park? It does depend a lot. And in Australia, we generally have our marine parks zoned. The word zone means that there's different areas you can do different things. So what I'll be mentioning through this morning is the very important sanctuary or no-take zones where you can't do any exploitation, fishing or whatever. And they are the gold. They're the things we strive for. And Macquarie Island, for instance, I was just looking, I've got the map in front of me, actually. And it's a large swath of um, sea around there that's being protected. But um, the overall park is about a quarter to a bit over a quarter of the fishing zone there. And the marine protected area where you can't take anything is really only about a tenth. So it's great, but it's not enough, in my opinion. So that would be mainly commercial fishing, I'm assuming, way down in the Southern Ocean there between, you know, Australia and New Zealand and uh, Antarctica. How important generally is is our network of marine parks when it comes to protecting our oceans uh, and and that no-take idea uh, when it comes to both recreational and commercial commercial fishing? Yeah, well, first of all, you're right, it'd be mainly commercial. I don't think too many wreck fishers would be heading down that way. It's pretty pretty severe conditions down there. Um, but yes, we have a, a really nice setup of what we call bioregions around Australia's ocean waters. And we have um, about 35 of those and about five or six are in my state of New South Wales. And, and the long-term goal was to put a, a large protected area, marine park or whatever, in each of these. We've kind of partly failed there, but we do have quite a few of them. But most of them in each one are, are not what I call the uh, no-take sanctuary area. In fact, in New South Wales, less than 7% of our waters are, are protected the way I think they should be protected. So 93% open to fishing. And, and we, we win, actually. I was looking at the other states, 1.7% in, in Tasmania. Um, so, you know, we've got a long way to go. It must be hard, though, for governments because uh, recreational fishers, you know, that that's a, a good, strong lobby group. There's a lot of people interested in it. I understand that those numbers are growing in some areas as well. And it's seen as a really healthy way for people to get out and connect with nature and perhaps fish a bit more sustainably than, than commercial fishing sometimes does. What are your thoughts on, on getting that balance right? 
Well, I think you're right when you said fishing sustainably. Fishing is a wonderful pastime if done sustainably. Uh, you mentioned growing numbers of fishes. Well, we've just done some data work and, and the number of fishing licences issued in New South Wales has dropped dropped from about 17% of our population in 2001. It's about 4.5% now. So it's a, definitely a big group, but it's often reported to be 20% and it's, it's not that. Now, fishing sustainably, uh, I think about 80% of fishers through various independent polls are very supportive of the whole marine park system and uh, realise that, that that's an important plank in, in them conserving fishes for their, for their kids and their kids' kids. Professor Booth, how does how we protect our oceans in Australia compare to what happens in other places around the world? Well, overall, I mean, the, the, the goal of 30% uh, no-take uh, adopted internationally and then by Australia in 2021 um, is really uh, well above what we have. We only have about 1% to 2% of the oceans protected, fully protected from exploitation like fishing and dredging and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so, you know, so we're nowhere near it. So Australia is doing not too badly, although we've had the situation over the last decade or so where uh, a lot of these marine protected areas have been turned back and become non-protected, which is a bit of a worry. So... The US has some large slabs in the Pacific where, which are protected. Uh, often these large areas are where nobody goes anyway in terms of um, in terms of wreck fishes. So it's the coastal stuff that's of great importance in this in this case. And, yeah, we're doing fairly well. But, you know, it ends up being less than 10% in most countries. We're speaking with Professor David Booth, uh, who is a professor of marine ecology at UTS. And we're looking at how our marine waters are protected or not around Australia in, in the different ways that those parks function. Some are under Commonwealth control, some are under state control. Let's have a look at a couple of examples. Uh, This is a successful marine park under state control. Dr Michael Sams is a marine ecologist, manager of the Marine and Coastal Science Program for Parks Victoria. Michael, welcome. Thank you. Good morning. Now, Victoria is celebrating 20 years of marine parks and sanctuaries. How did it become clear that this network of marine parks was necessary? Uh, well, I think, you know, prior to uh, 20 years ago, we had only a few small protected areas, um, and these weren't highly protected areas. So around that time, and probably for many years to come, I think it was recognised that uh, having highly protected areas is a really effective solution to protecting native biodiversity. We had lots of them on land in Victoria, very few in the water. So I think the community in general identified that gap, that we didn't have a lot of protection of our marine life in Victoria. Um, there was a lot of uh, campaigning by sections of the community who wanted uh, greater protection of Victoria's marine life over the years. Um, and there was election promises um, that basically led up to the establishment of, uh, of the parks um, around 20 years ago. And I guess, yeah, the, the idea, the intent of creating these marine national parks and sanctuaries in Victoria was to protect and preserve representative biodiversity as well as the kind of the ecological processes that support that biodiversity um, really for future generations of Victorians. So mirroring that approach that was really quite well established on land. Yeah, well, and Victorian parks are much more restrictive than some others. They are no take. Uh, they're set up on that model. How do you think that got over the line, given that recreational fishing lobby is quite strong in Victoria? Yeah, look, I mean, I do have to say, uh, all this was 20 years ago when I was still, uh, you know, a high school student and a um, university student, so a little bit um, before my time. But there was definitely a fair bit of pushback in marine protected areas. There was extensive um, consultation with the public when the parks were created. Um, But there are arguments on both sides. So 
there were some modifications that were made to the parks when they were established, which was reflecting some of that feedback from recreational fishers. Um, and on the other hand, there were some new parks that were created because the community, you know, other sections of the community uh, wanted uh, additional parks in areas that they considered to be of high importance or of high value. So, um, yeah, I think what the government had at the time was strike a balance between all of those different voices. And I think, you know, a common sense kind of middle ground to say that we do need some protection of the environment. Um, and, and, and you know, there's plenty of places where recreational fishing can still occur outside those no-take reserves. There's a really interesting range of habitats and locations represented in the Victorian marine parks, and I know that you spent quite a lot of time diving in them. Tell us a bit about some of the, those places and how different they look and what kind of animals and plants we might see there. Yeah, sure. Victoria is a really, it is a really special place. So where we're located, I suppose, is in the southeastern corner of what we're now calling the Great Southern Reef. So it's really a massive reef that extends from New South Wales all the way to Western Australia. But of course, our little corner is quite unique. So Victoria in particular is a really important centre for biodiversity of, of marine plants. So we have something like, I think, 500 species of, of for example, red algae and about 80% of those are only found in southeastern Australia. They do go outside Victorian boundaries, but we're certainly a biodiversity hotspot. We see that with fish, with a lot of invertebrates. Um, you know, what we have in our environment are these beautiful, I guess, in the shallower waters, what we call macroalgal forest, kelp forest. So the rocky reef is covered in kelp. And as you, as you go deeper down where there's less light, we get these extensive sponge gardens, which is what we call them for shorthand, but they're full of soft corals, beautiful, really col- colourful sponges, colourful reef fish, invertebrates, things like basket stars, sea stars, uh, and really vibrant and colourful. I don't think a lot of people would know if you got down to those depths in Victoria that you'd see these really colourful really diverse marine environments. We're speaking today about the, the balance between marines conservation and other uses of our coastal waterways. I'd be really interested to hear from you if you have thoughts about how we can use these waters sustainably, particularly if you are someone who likes to fish. Michael Sams is who you're hearing from at the moment uh, about a marine park in Victoria or the, the network of marine parks in Victoria. Dr Sams is a marine ecologist and manager of the Marine and Coastal Science Program for Parks Victoria. Michael, it's been 20 years of these parks have they worked have they fulfilled the function they were meant to fulfill yeah yes we really do think so so we've uh, as part of our work at the 20th anniversary we've completed some major scientific assessments of our marine protected areas uh, and that's been done with research partners at Deakin University and it uses things like 20 years of long-term monitoring all of the mapping of the seafloor that we've done as well as all the data we've collected on sea surface temperature waves and things like that and we've been finding um, some really positive patterns and trends for a range of species living in our parks um, that demonstrate they're working. So I guess some key examples of this is what we're finding is generally higher uh, numbers, richness of fish and invertebrates inside our parks. So that's the number of species we find inside our parks that kind of higher inside. Some of our ecologically important species, so things like the larger reef uh, fish like wrasse, leather jackets um, and grazers like abalone and southern rock lobster, which are the target of fishing, they tend to have significantly higher numbers inside our parks. Um, the other thing that we see is that a number of fish and invertebrate species, their numbers have increased quite significantly in, in abundance inside our parks over the 20 years since they were created. So all of that collective evidence is really good indication that the protection provided by those parks is beneficial to a number of species and and the parks are really achieving the purpose that they were created for, which is to protect um, 
our unique Victorian biodiversity. I'm really interested in how important that no-take rule, the no-fishing-at-all rule, is, is in achieving that purpose, Michael. Because interestingly, in Victoria, as well as celebrating 20 years in marine parks, the state government was also pushing for a while to get a million people doing recreational fishing, Target One Million it was called, and it's continued over the years to try to strengthen the fishing community in the state. Michael, do you think you can have strong protection of marine areas alongside a thriving recreational fishing movement? Or do they just need yeah, to happen in different areas? Well, they, they can coexist alongside each other, I think. So, you know, you've got to think of marine protected areas. They're, they're really conservation tools for the protection of biodiversity. And David's just given us a nice background on what they're for. So they're not really a fisheries management tool. And, and that's particularly true in Victoria. So when we set up our, our marine national parks and sanctuaries, they were explicitly set up to protect biodiversity, not for fisheries benefit. Um, and, you know, as David said, the scientific evidence shows that if you want to get the best benefit for biodiversity conservation, no-take marine protected areas are by far the most effective. Um, but I guess, you know, when you think about an entire coastline like Victoria's, it's not really an either-or proposition when it comes to MPAs and recreational fishing. So we're only protecting about 5.3% of our coast um, in no-take marine protected areas. So 95% of that coast is available for recreational fishing still. But I think one important thing to keep in mind is, you know, even though in Victoria our parks weren't set up with recreational fishing benefits in mind, uh, they do benefit recreational fishing. So we're seeing like the species that I mentioned earlier, things like rock lobster, abalone, we have these high numbers inside our parks, but when they, you know, reproduce, their offspring disperse and leave the park and they replenish populations outside them. So effectively what we've got is a nice insurance policy where we have these really healthy populations inside our parks that can replenish populations outside. And so I think, you know, effectively what we can have is a, is a mixture of no-take MPAs that do coexist with areas outside them where recreational fishing occurs. And, you know, if, if fishing is managed sustainably outside those areas, we can actually see, I think, some really good conservation outcomes with MPAs alongside recreational fishing. MPAs meaning marine protected areas. Really yes, interesting, sorry. I think, the debate on what constitutes sustainable fishing. We'll get into the weeds of that in a moment. But Michael Sams, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Dr Michael Sams is a marine ecologist, manager of the Marine and Coastal Science Program for Parks Victoria. And with us today too, David Booth, Professor of Marine Ecology at UTS. We'll come back to David in a moment, uh, but I do want to get the, the fishing perspective, uh, it, particularly if you do enjoy fishing from time to time and would like to weigh in on the balance between recreational fishing and marine conservation. Um, there's quite a different situation in New South Wales compared to Victoria and, and quite a lot of different opinions on the topic too. Stan Constantaris is president of the Recreational Fishing Alliance of New South Wales and he's taken time out from his day job to have a chat to us about what he likes to do on the weekends. Stan, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. What's the situation with marine parks in your state? How big an area do they cover? Uh, look, we have we have uh, five mainland uh, marine parks and the two offshore ones, and we've been currently reviewing uh, the five mainland ones for the last couple of years, and we've sort of been waiting eagerly for these uh, management plans and the new zoning plans to be released, and it doesn't look like we're going to get them before the next election. So for us, we're really in limbo. We've been through a, a couple of years of consultation, but 
again, that just shows to, to all of us that our consultative model um, is, is really failing and it excludes the vast majority of uh, recreational fishers in New South Wales. So I guess it's a really contentious issue that the government doesn't want to raise right now. Well, indeed, and I understand you're pushing for more areas to be available for fishing. Both the marine ecologists we've heard from today say the science is really strong. Recreational fishing damages marine species and biodiversity. What's your response to that? I guess we're still hearing about those percentage-based, and I keep hearing that, you know, what are you complaining about? You can still fish in 95% of the um, the, the waters. Well, again, out of that 95%, 90% of it is a desert. They really focus on reefs and the rocky shorelines and things like that. There's not many fish live in the in the desert out there. So to say we've got 90, 95% of it to fish, uh, in fact, we, we haven't. We really only fish small concentrations of, of habitat that, that supports fish. I mean, you can't just say and go out in the middle of nowhere and throw a line and expect to catch, you know, a, a, a good feed of fish. It just doesn't happen. So, I mean, we really need to talk about and challenge that 95% that doesn't exist. And that, you know, I did hear um, David say that recreational fishing is waning in New South Wales. I mean, the, the latest Commonwealth reports indicates we've got 1.2 million fishers. I know our licence sales are going up in New South Wales. You know, 550,000 people pay to fish in New South Wales. We generate 15 and a half, 16 million dollars a year that we plough back into, uh, you know, managing the fishery. So it, it is increasing, and, and any lockout is significant. And we're not about against marine parks. In, in fact, I sat on the, I had the privilege of sitting on the uh, Commonwealth Marine Park Committee that implemented the temporary lease marine park from in the Commonwealth waters from Queensland down to the Victorian borders. So, uh, you know, we're not we're not continually uh, against the parks, and we get and we're sort of getting sick of treated. Uh, we're hearing that we're the conservation sectors treat us as, as 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 enemies when we all know when you know no fish, no fishing, no habitat, no fish. So, Stan, yet, what what kind of marine parks would you like to see then? If you if you're in favour of you know replenishing those stocks to make everyone happy, are you thinking perhaps just less restrictive, less no take protected areas? I, th- I think we've got really good management tools in New South Wales with bag and size limits. We're continually reviewing those uh, spawning closures and things like that. But again, um, no one has really mentioned water quality. Um, for us, it's uh, water quality and, and habitat degradation, uh, a, a big thing, stormwater runoff, uh, pollution, sewage outfalls. Um, I mean, we are on the water a lot, and I know I'm not going to criticise um uh, the other two things, but fishermen spend a lot of time on the water, and we, and we can see a lot of things. Uh, we're the first to report pollution. We're the first to get involved in uh, habitat restoration projects. So I think it's a it's a balance, and I, I think the, the New South Wales government has, has sort of really missed uh, getting us all together in a room and, and and you know sitting us down, looking at the science. And again, we've had a real distinct lack of evidence and baseline data in New South Wales. I mean, we've had marine parks here for 20 years as well, and we just seem to be going nowhere with them. So, I mean, this, the current model, I think, has failed, um, to be perfectly honest. And we really need to have a you know a fresh look at the way we're really going to protect biodiversity. I mean, how we tackle climate change mm. um, and things like that. It's just, we're just, we're missing the point here where we're saying that some lines on a map um, are, are going to help restore uh, recreational fishing in New South Wales. And Spillover effect from such small areas is questionable. I mean, these areas are, are tiny. Um, you know, if we really want to think about it and we've got some major problems, we should be sitting down and looking and uh, and, and talking about how we're really going to fix this. I mean, we're just dancing around the edges on this. We're not really going to have a big impact. Uh, subsequent governments are scared to put us all in a room to chat 
and uh, and make some serious decisions and throw some serious money at uh, addressing uh, water quality issues and, and habitat degradation. Stan, I, I'm going to read you a couple of the texts that we've got. There's quite a bit of yep. uh, pushback on the idea that, that fishing is uh, environmentally kind. Mark in Yarrapahini in New South Wales says, what about the mess left behind by untrained fishers? Lost hooks and fishing lines continue to kill wildlife. Uh, another says, fishers leave hooks and lines, bits of plastic everywhere. Sure, commercial fishers cause terrible damage, but individual fishers do so too on a micro level. And Stan, I understand you uh, argue that you're already working to fish in a way that's sustainable. Tell us what you mean by that. Well, absolutely. Again, we've got uh, really strong bag and size limits. Uh, we're continually reviewing our species. Uh, we've just put a slot limit in for flathead in New South Wales where we can't take a flathead uh, over 70 centimetres. We're discussing increasing the size of snapper. Um, also, uh, kingfish in New South Wales. We've really reacted um, in terms of our mulloway. We've reduced those down to one um, and, and increased the size of those. So we are really adaptive if we see a problem around fisheries management issues. And, and these, again, and these are rather broad areas. We're not talking about just a, a fisheries management issue in a marine park. This is for all of the New South Wales coast that, that we will sit down and we will talk and we'll discuss them. We'll look at the science and um, most times we'll agree with some of these things. So there really isn't an, an issue. Again, we're not that, that silly. And again, the issue of leaving hooks and rubbish behind, and, and we acknowledge that and we work really closely with our community and our, and our fishermen to get those messages out. And we know that, you know, a couple of rat bags make it, um, you know, gives us all a bad name and reputation. When when fishing is such a, a great sport, it's a great release. Again, 1.2 million people it generates billions of dollars um, in income for the state. So I just, I can't see why this continual pushback. And again, the just the, the model we're using in New South Wales has just failed, continually failed. And I'd, I'd love to sit down with David and really nut these things out and say, that okay, this is what we need and this is how we'll address it. It's just, that's why it's always percentage based and our side is, well, no, no lines on a map. I mean, there's got to be a middle ground that we can all agree on. The really interesting points that you raised, Stan. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to have a chat to us on Life Matters. Thank you. Stan Constantaris, President of the Recreational Fishing Alliance of New South Wales. Jack in Victoria's texted in, I love catching crayfish, rock lobster, by hand. Marine protected areas are critical for sustainable fishing to continue. There have to be restrictions and rules because people will always push the limits. People not respecting catch limits is prolific. And another text, it would be insane to be against marine parks because we know the fishing catch outside them, immediately adjacent, is incredible. Let's go back to Professor David Booth, Professor of Marine Ecology at UTS. David, let's uh, look at some of the points that Stan made. He's saying, look, marine parks may only be a small percentage of the New South Wales protected areas, the New South Wales ocean total, but they're the best bits for fishing. What's your response for th- to that? Uh, yeah, well, it's good to hear from Stan. And I think uh, um, you know, responsible fishers are, are so important in this whole equation, looking after the ocean. Um, yeah, I, I, like Stan, have uh, done my time on, on marine park boards. I was on the Port Stephens Great Lakes one where, where uh, I think he lives. And what I noticed, there was about uh, 70% or 60% on there were fishers of various sorts, which was great to get their knowledge. But I did notice when it came to putting lines on maps, they were very careful to insist that their favourite fishing zones were missed. So I I'd say the opposite to Stan. The, we call it residual marine parks where they're the leftover areas that fishers don't want and that's happened in Jarvis Bay and up on the Barrier Reef. So I, I disagree with Stan there. But I do agree that uh, I don't think we have the balance right. But I, I, I would say we don't, with 5% to 7% protection, 
we don't nearly have the balance right. We need more, and that's where this 30% comes in. So, yeah, so I guess we agree that things need to be done. Uh, take away the lines on maps, guess what? People will fish. So you do need lines on maps. Well, one of Stan's arguments is that there are a lot of other things impacting the waters, uh, climate change, pollution, mining, industries on land are doing more damage than uh, recreational fishing at sea. How do you respond to those arguments, David? Well, I'd agree there's other processes we've got to look at, but I think it's a little bit disingenuous sort of pointing at other problems and saying, look, I know we might be a big problem, but there's other big problems. Go and solve those. I think the responsibility is if you're the big problem, you need to help solve it. And and time and again, through the scientific evidence, and we have some of the best science in the world on marine parks here in New South Wales and around Australia, shows beyond a shadow of a doubt that particularly fish species like snapper, for instance, are bigger and, and there's more of them in these even tiny marine no-take areas. So so to me, that says fairly clearly that fishing has an effect. The other things, for sure, and even and marine parks, even though they're mainly about stopping exploitation, have a really big knock-on effect to uh, water quality protection, catchment protection. I know the Port Stephens one has had value there. So, yeah, we've got to operate on all these fronts, but you shouldn't just point at other problems, I don't think. Lots and lots and lots of texts coming in. Uh, we could stop greedy commercial fishers flogging our fish off overseas, says Stephen in Tasmania, for starters, and there's no point having marine parks if we aren't going to patrol them and enforce the protections. That's an interesting point to raise. Another from uh, Victoria. Uh, I grew up in Morty Alex, says this texter, uh, on the bay when scallop dredging was still allowed and I remember how it was the end of the world when marine parks were first introduced. So many people I knew protested against it. Now they anchor outside the parks enjoying how much better the fishing is in Port Phillip Bay. <laughs> also as a scuba diver for 30 years I see how much better the bay is because of it. And that's that spillover effect that you mentioned before David, how uh, things improve immediately outside the, the regions of the, the that's protected right, area. Yes. <laughs> now I mean when we look at the science which you say is really strong that recreation fishing does cause damage, does deplete stocks, um, oh, is a problem. Uh, yeah. Is it that just because people take too many fish or is it the, a, a form of damage caused by recreational fishing? Well, and, and Stan mentioned uh, responsible recreational fishing, and that's good to hear. But certainly it's the take. It's the actual removal of these animals, um, these usually usually uh, top of the food chain type creatures that really affect the rest of the, the food web. Um, there is some uh, evidence, and sadly we have some with our surveys around Sydney, of huge amounts of fishing gear, uh, lines tangled. I've got actual uh, small movies I've taken underwater of a fish hooked on a line, swimming around and around well below the surface. Uh, luckily, I was able to release that one and a, and a bird being caught. So there's all that collateral damage, but it is mainly the removal of the key species. Professor David Booth is our guest. We have a few minutes left to discuss this today. Um, David, many people listening may not be fishers themselves, but may make an effort to eat fish that's sustainable. And it might be really hard for them to believe that there are more sustainable ways of eating fish than catching it yourself. Are there? I mean, are there sustainable commercially fished species that you can point us towards? Yeah, actually, that's a very good question, which I have some answers to because we run a sustainable seafood program and uh, really targeting the inshore fish, not the big ocean fish that, that some of the bigger organisations look at. And yes, there, indeed there are, um, especially inshore ones. Like we've been working a little bit with the Port Phillip Bay fishes, the snapper fishes and things like that, incredibly sustainable. And as far as going getting a, a feed uh, as, a, as a recreational fisher, well, if done properly outside marine protected areas and uh, within your bag limit, could be a very, very sustainable way compared to getting your fish from the fish market. Um, so there are certain species that are better, better than others, uh, for sure. 
Does that come down to the the particular fishing uh, organisations being able to do a bit more education and say, hey, you know, people, if we fish in this way, it's going to be better for everyone for longer? That's right. Well, if we sit on our, our backsides and just wait for the government to, to fix things and things are going down fairly badly, um, we won't get anywhere. So a lot of these consumer-driven programs, if you, if you have information as a consumer, you can very quickly change the way fishing is done, that's for sure. So I, I certainly recommend looking into those programs. And just finally, David, we've seen this announcement from Tanya Plibersek about the Macquarie Island Marine Park, size of Germany, sounds great. And we've seen her talking up our marine protection credentials. Are we heading in the right direction for those 30 by 30 goals, 30% of lands and waters protected by 2030? We certainly are. And, and you know, I mean, uh, in parallel to the uh, the climate change goal of, of uh, um, for, for 2030, we'll, we'll have a hard time getting there. At the moment, in spite of what you may hear, only about 10% maximum of the Australian waters are protected through no-take areas. So maybe a third of the way there, I think. Uh, and so definitely going, going up and getting better, but a long way to go. David, thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. David Booth, Professor of Marine Ecology at UTS. You heard earlier from Stan Constantaris, the President of the Recreational Fishing Alliance of New South Wales, and Dr Michael Sams too, Manager of the Marine and Coastal Science Program for Parks Victoria. And this year, the management plans for 14 marine parks off the coast of Tasmania, South Australia and Victoria will be reviewed. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.